Hello, and welcome to episode 42 of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson. We've got three great segments for you this week. Kicking things off, we have the conclusion to our Pikmin series, this week focusing on Pikmin 3. That's with JP, Andy, and Carmine. After that, we have the next installment of In Focus with Nicholas Bray, uh, this week focusing on Game & Watch. And closing the show out, we have a segment about uh, Theater Rhythm, Final Fantasy. That's with myself, Neil, Danny, and Nate. Enjoy. Connectivity, Pikmin, three-week extravaganza. We are back one more time for our exciting conclusion to the Pikmin extravaganza. With me is, once again, Mr. Jabri, Mr. The Jabri, Mr. J.P. Corbin. Hey, everybody. And, of course, with us again as well is Carmine Red. How you doing, Kai? Look out behind you! It's a giant space rabbit! <laughs> Zach, unfortunately, cannot be here with us. He is elsewhere, I guess. He's too busy to be talking to us tonight. But He's got better okay. things to do than talk to us. He like playing Pikmin 2, I, I suppose. Hopefully. Probably. <laughs> 100%ing it. That's that's the really the only way to go. This uh this last year at E3, Nintendo opened up their press conference with a look at Pikmin 3, a game they've been teasing for a really long time. Yeah, I think um, it was I think it was it was there in 2009, I think was when they started teasing it. So it's it's been a while. Yeah, I want to say they had two they had Two or three consecutive E3s where they just sort of acknowledged that it existed and said nothing more. This is the first um, time they actually showed anything. Really, not only showed, but even said anything about the game. Well, I mean, uh, in an official context. I think Miyamoto mentioned it at the developer roundtable several years well, I mean, in a row. But I, I mean, mean I, I'm just talking about in terms of any sort of specifics about what the game was really right, going to be. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, there had been some speculation before E3 that when we saw Pikmin 3, it may be a surprising departure from the series norm. Uh, what we got was not a surprising departure. It, it's it was a non-surprising, very much the same thing as the previous games. It's it's very much a natural evolution of what we've seen before, which at least I'm, what we've I'm seen so far. Okay with. I mean, like we didn't see that much. This is true. Yeah, I mean, it's like the EC demo. Do you think they sort of like it was too uh, cultivated an experience? They had just one level here and one level there, and it was like a really a demo level. The E3 demo, I mean, it was it was Pikmin. It was you know entirely familiar stuff. I mean, apart from the little segments that were showing off the specific capabilities of the Rock Pikmin, none of it would have felt out of place in either of the previous games. I mean, it it kind of you know there was the specific things, and the boss battle used it a lot, and certain parts of the trial course used it where you had to use the rock Pikmin to break, like, a solid kind of glass kind of object. But other than that... Like, the four captains in the demo? Or was it no. really just one captain? Or? No, it was you played one captain. It's like you played one captain, and you only had the red Pikmin and the rock Pikmin, so you didn't have yellow or blue or... I don't know if the purple or whites are coming back, but if they are, they weren't oh, in the demo. So I'm I'm certain that they wouldn't remove Pikmin types in this. That seems well, like a bad the idea. The problem is that the rock Pikmin are very similar to the purple Pikmin, at least in terms of combat ability. I mean, they they feel pretty similar to the purple ones, and I mean, the purple ones have the ability of the weight, but I mean, in combat, rock and purple felt pretty similar. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see. I suppose. Yeah. I, I would be. I would be, I, I would be surprised. They... I I don't think they're gonna cut them out. But I mean, 
like they're at least going to be pretty similar to what we saw here. Now in the in the demo, you were picking up cherries, I think it was. Well, it was different or types marbles. of fruit. It was it was okay. different types of fruit. Um, and each I, what I liked about it was that the demo had uh, it was like a high score thing. Each type of fruit was worth a different amount of of points or whatever it was, and. So, and like, that's why I, I went back and I played that demo at least four times, each time trying to beat my high score. I think I maxed out at something like 1450, which the guy running the demo said was pretty good. So, um, Did you use both controls, like the Wii Remote and then the gamepad as well? I, I used the gamepad the first day. Uh, it, it doesn't work that well, and in fact... I went back to the same demo unit the second day, and the guy told me, though, they're not letting people play with the gamepad anymore. So they they must have, like, they, they want to go back and tweak it some. And, and I get it, because it doesn't work all that well. Because you were still using the infrared pointer. You were using the pointer on the gamepad, and that means you were trying to tilt the controller with both hands to try and aim, which doesn't work nearly as well. Why don't, as, why don't they just go back to the GameCube control scheme if you're going to play with the, with, the, with the pad? Because I think, like, they're they're trying to make the pointer the main way to play the game, and it's... It, I mean, well, I like think... we talked about in the last couple of weeks, we talked about going back and, and adding the pointer controls to the first two games, which didn't always work completely right. I mean, there were certain elements that didn't work exactly the way they should because of the trans the transition in controls. Uh, and so this game, the pointer is the way, and it's kind of demanding the precision of aiming Pikmin that the pointer provides that you just didn't have when you were aiming them in the first two games with the GameCube controls. I, I mean, yeah, I was, um, I was like, I, I didn't get to play the demo, but I was re-watching the footage, and it seems like this sort of might be a theme with this, that you have to, like, aim specifically at, like I saw, like a wall of mushrooms, and you have to throw Pikmin at each mushroom in order oh, yeah. to like, I mean, like, smush them down. Aiming is important. I mean, you couldn't really do it as much in the GameCube games uh, because you just didn't have the ability to aim them that well the way this, the game worked. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the, the Wii versions of the game are, are so good is that it gives you that ability and it comes in handy, but the game wasn't designed for it, so it doesn't generally demand it. This game, I think, is going to demand it from time to time. And so I think... I don't, I don't know. Now, when I did play it with the gamepad... It, the right stick didn't do anything, as far as I could tell. So it may be an option to play it that way that they just weren't showing off. I don't know. But I, I didn't hear anything about that. So when do you guys think this will come out? Because, I mean, what was it? Was it holiday? Was it launch window? What did It was launch window. The, I believe the uh, press kit called it a launch window release. I would be very surprised if it's not there day one, or at least, like, the, the the first game where it's like a couple weeks after launch, but I think it's out before the end of the year at least. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if this thing took much longer to get out. They 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 have to have a, a strong launch lineup, and this is almost certainly a Wii title before it was a Wii U title. Yes, this, this is game, probably been game, done for a while. I don't know about done, but it's been in development for a long time. Yeah. I mean, like this this is they took the Wii game and they said, well, this isn't gonna, so they just transferred it over to Wii U. So it's like. I don't know. They, they, this has been, they've been working on this for a long time. I, I, I would be surprised if it's not there at launch because Nintendo doesn't really have another game like it at launch, like a, a gamer-focused game at launch. No. Because you have Nintendo Land, which is very good. I really like what I played of Nintendo Land, but it isn't really aimed at us. This isn't the kind of game that they're trying to, to, to sell the system to people like us with. Mario's good, but it's 
Mario. It's something we've all played before, and the new features don't do that much. Pikmin is a game that people have been waiting for for a long time, and I, I don't think it would sell a ton of hardware, but it would sell some hardware if they had it out at launch. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, maybe, uh, do you think we're just coming at this too much like Nintendo fans because we're really excited for Pikmin? Because didn't the first game barely move over a million and then the second game the sales dropped? I mean, is this something that we, we love but not a lot of other people will look at it during launch? Or is this a chance for people to, you know, discover Pikmin? I think Pikmin and Pikmin 2 especially are a bit of like cult classic kind of things where the first one sold well, mostly because it was a new idea and it was a launch title, so that helped it. Second one didn't sell that well, but I think it's remembered well. It's it's like the kind of game that it didn't sell very well, but people remember it as being good, even people who I don't think even played it. It's It's got a yeah. good buzz around it, so I think there will be people who haven't even played the first two that would be excited to play this because of all the good things they've heard about the series. Yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering like what what like imagine a year ahead like six months after launch and let's say Pikmin three sold seven hundred fifty thousand units. You know, is that good? Is that bad? I mean, I I know it's launch and there's like twenty three games in that launch window. I think it's it's a game that if it's there at launch, it will sell really well because it's Nintendo first party and because it's a game that a lot of people have waited for and it's a game with a lot of buzz. So I think it'll do really well if it's out at launch, and I think it'll do really well if it's coming out in January or February. It'll, it's a game that'll do well no matter when it comes out, but I think, I mean, really, either way, I think it's 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 going to do well, mainly because of all the kind of hype surrounding it. I agree. I um, I think, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's a game that will do well for being one of the few gamer-focused Nintendo products at the system's launch. You know, as much... As the Wii U has sort of, the hype has sort of died down for the Wii U, it's still a new piece of hardware and a lot of people are going to pick it up. Yeah. I mean, I think we, like, the, the, there's more kind of third-party stuff that fits this kind of mold of gamer-focused games, but this is the one from Nintendo, and it'll sell. I mean, it's, it, I think it'll do well, so, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, and, I'm, yeah, and everyone, here's, everyone here's looking forward to it. <laughs> That's why we're here. Now, we know the game will have local multiplayer, but we know it will not have online multiplayer. What do you guys make of that? That, to me, seems like something like they want to make sure the game's out on time. I, yeah, and that's, that's the only explanation like. I can think of that makes any sense. Because, I mean, like, this game is supposed to have... Like, you you play the, com- the co-op modes in Pikmin 2, and this is supposed to be even more like that, because you get four different captains in the game. It would be perfect for online co-op. It would be a great way to show off the system, and I, I don't know. It seems odd to me that they wouldn't at least try and include that. Yeah, I mean, if if we're thinking of it as a Wii game that they moved on to the Wii U, and they want to have it as a launch title, I I guess I can see that. But maybe maybe this just means there's room for improvement with Pikmin Four. You know, I'm I'll buy that. That's a thing. There is that if you were making this game on the Wii. And you wanted to do co-op. It, you couldn't do co-op. It wouldn't work. Because you need voice chat for a game like this to do co-op. There's no... there's You would need something like that. And you just didn't have it on the Wii. And so, I mean, like, maybe they just didn't think of it, or they just dismissed it on the Wii, and then they... That didn't it. stop them from making Battalion Wars 2 an online co-op game. Well, yeah, and how well did that go? No, it didn't <laughs> go very well at all. 
Okay, so I've always said Nintendo generally learns from their mistakes. They don't always learn what you want them to learn, but they <laughs> learn. Yeah. Um, I would love to have it co-op. I would love to to go on and, and play co-op with you guys when and the, when we get the Wii U and and I mean I would love it. It it doesn't bother me too much not having it. I'm still gonna play the hell out of the game. But I mean, yeah, it, it, I it, it would have been nice. It kind of feels like a, a a concerning sign that despite Nintendo's big talk about about migrating towards the core gamer and strengthening their online business that they're not taking it as seriously as they say they are. Now that I think about that, is there any game at launch that's confirmed to have online multiplayer? Did Was this confirmed specifically not to have online co-op? I think it does, that's, yes. It, yeah. it has specifically been confirmed that it doesn't. Yeah, I think okay. Miyamoto came out and said that it would be too difficult to to communicate the locations of the Pikmin back and forth. Which is crazy, but still... It kind of makes makes you gives you the impression that Miyamoto is not familiar with modern netcode. Oh yes, I think me. Yeah, well, I he's think. an artist first and foremost. You know, he yeah. he started drawing cab arcade cabinet boards. So yeah, yeah, I mean, like I think yeah, it's not surprising that Miyamoto doesn't understand. But you would hope that they have someone at Nintendo who does understand it. And you'd hope. Well, that's why I think, I mean, I think a lot of Nintendo's uh, game culture has to change. They make really great games, but there are certain things that. They don't catch on to like they they're very much about intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic achievements, which you see in a lot of Western network yeah. experiences. Yeah. So I mean, I mean they're making really... games that they think are for gamers, but there's certain types. Like Miyamoto went and said, "I could make an FPS, but I don't want to." You know? I, mean, I think part of it is it's not so much that they can't. It's it's a cultural thing. You don't see as much focus on online stuff in Japan as yeah. you do in the West. I mean, even you look at Sony, Sony's better at it than Nintendo, but they're still nowhere near as good at it as Microsoft, who is a fully Western company and who really knows what they're doing there. Sony's getting better, okay, but they're better than Nintendo. They've tried more, but they're still not great. I think it's somewhat of a cultural divide as part of it. Do you guys think, uh, switching topics, because this is a this is a rabbit hole, honestly. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, we don't need to keep going. This is like seven other connectivity segments. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys feel, because I kind of feel like Pikmin 3 is a make-or-break title for this franchise. If it doesn't do well, I think it's very possible we don't see another Pikmin game. I don't think it's possible for it not to do well, being a launch title and having so much, you know, going into it. I mean, I, I think... If it's at launch or even just in the first quarter, I think it's going to sell. I think this game will do well. The question for me is Pikmin 4, if they do another one, is how well will that do? Because I think being a launch title always helps. Being, you know, like I said, people have been waiting for this for a long time. It's got a considerable amount of hype built up into it. It's like you look on the GameCube. Pikmin 1 did well. It was a million seller. Pikmin 2 didn't do that well. So did it even sell 500,000 copies? I I haven't seen numbers. I don't know if there's any official numbers out. So I'd be surprised to hear if it broke a million. I haven't heard anything around that. Yeah. It was it was a player's choice at one point, wasn't it? There was a sales floor for that. Yeah, but I think it was below a million for player's choice. It was below a million on GameCube it was. Uh it oh, used okay. to be a million, but on GameCube I think it, I'm not sure it, it might have only been 250,000 though, so that wouldn't answer the question. Hopefully the Wii version will add to that a little bit. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, I guess yeah, part, I part of me would always... still be a Pikmin 4. You know, I, I, I almost feel like even if this is a very good showing for Pikmin 3, I don't know if Nintendo will say, you know what, we've got more ideas. I don't know if they'll want to move on to something else. Uh, yeah, Lo- I'd love for them to branch onto 3DS and, and see what they could do with the Pikmin game on a handheld. I would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. I can't and tell I... you the, the joy in my heart when I watched <laughs> Pikmin carry my DSi that games was over that was to my 3DS. And, and it was like it took like two hours or something because I had a ton of stuff. But it was cool. I liked that little bit of it. I would love to see Pikmin on the 3DS. And I think if we do see another Pikmin game anytime soon, it probably will be on the 3DS. Given that, given that system's popularity in Japan and how, how well it's doing and, and how much easier yeah. it would probably be to develop it that way, I think if we see another one soon, it'll be on the 3DS. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, given that the game's not out, we don't have a ton to talk about for this segment, but um, let's go back to that demo you played at E3. Right. Talk, talk about that boss battle for a little bit. The oh, boss yeah. battle was uh, interesting. I mean, it was a really well-done Pikmin boss battle. Um, I mean, it was you needed you needed to use the rock Pikmin to break the shell on the boss and so that you could attack it. So it's like you would have to switch off between the rock Pikmin... You would break the shell with the rock Pikmin and then use the red Pikmin to attack because red ones will latch on and continue attacking. The rock ones won't. You can like throw them at them and it'll do damage, but they won't latch on. So you you know you want to switch off between the different types of Pikmin, and it it was done well. I liked it. I mean, I. How long did that boss battle take? It took a few minutes. I mean, it was. And you know, having played the original Pikmin and Pikmin 2 recently, it doesn't seem to be that much different in terms of time as as the other games in the series. I, what I do like, one thing I like is that it's it's there's a dedicated button for switching the type of Pikmin that you're going to throw. Like I said, this game seems to be more focused on throwing Pikmin and using the pointer to throw them than the, the, the first games, the first two games. So it, it makes it easier. It's like you can switch between different types of Pokemon that or Pokemon. Pikmin. <laughs> if you devowl them, they end up. They the are same. very similar words. I thought for the longest time when Pikmin was in development that it was a Pokemon spinoff. Yeah. Like yeah, like they they should do that. You combine Pokemon with oh Nobunaga's God. ambition. Oh God. <laughs> combine Pikmin with Nobunaga's ambition. Combine Pikmin <laughs> Pokemon with Pikmin. There you go. That's a new game. Pikmin Advance Boys. Oh my goodness! Now you're talking my language. <laughs> That's I would play the hell out of that game. Heck yeah. Um, but anyway, you can press the C button to switch between different types of Pikmin quickly, which is something I missed when I was playing the the new play control games because it's like you. I mean, there was a way to do it, but it wasn't as slick as as the the Pikmin three made it. So it's like Pikmin three feels like. A more polished version of the controls from the the new play control games. Um, it's a game that's it's in partially because the game is built around those controls, so you can do more with it, and partially because they just seem to work better. So yeah, uh, I'm really okay. curious what the uh, storyline is going to be for this game because I think the story in both Pikmin One and Two are really well done. It was they're they're both well written games. Um, so I'm really curious to see if that carries. I, I would assume it would carry forward. I and mean, Pikmin 2 was a very well polished game, like I mentioned last week. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what they do with the well, with, with the story and presentation well, did, for Pikmin. Didn't 3. they say something like Mar- Mario? I mean, Olimar is missing. 
in this one, and then, right. like, none the, of the captains is Olimar. Yeah, you're controlling four captains, but none of them are Olimar, which seems really? to be hinting at you are rescuing Olimar. Okay. That seems to be where the story's heading, at least from what I saw. Interesting. And I don't know, I... I I thought that someone somewhere would have said that this is like Olimar's family because they've been an off-stage thing. Like, I, I'd love to see it if this was Olimar's wife, you know, if it was one of the captains yeah. and his kid was another one. That would be pretty cool. It could become like a, a space family Pikmin Robinson yeah. thing going on. <laughs> nice. But, I mean, yeah, that, that seems to be about all of the story we heard um, <laughs> at E3. Uh, there really wasn't much of it. Um did you, I, I, this is uh, sort of changing the topic again, but did you actually use the gamepad as a map? Because I thought it was like recently confirmed that you can control with the Wii Remote and then you can just have the gamepad down yes, there and look at it. Yes, you can do that. When I, I didn't use it that much, but that's something thing you could do. They, like, they, they had a stand set up that you could put the gamepad on so you could still see the map and that while you were playing with the remote and nunchuck. Which is a nice little feature to it. I'm not sure having another controller in my lap is a something that I want to continually refer to while I'm playing a game. I'd, I'd rather just have a sub a sub sub map. Well, I think it's. I mean, on screen map. I, I seem to get the impression that you might be getting this. This stand might be in with the system. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, or maybe I mean, like we've heard talk that we're, there's going to be. Uh, like a charging stand for the gamepad, so maybe it doubles as that. Well, in that video, the Miiverse demo uh, for the for the direct before the E3 conference. Oh, that didn't, did, didn't he wreck. put didn't he put the Wii U controller mm-hmm. on a stand of some kind to yes. do video conferencing? Yes. Was it the same kind of deal? It was same the kind same of kind of thing. So okay. I, it seems like this is going to be a standard thing. Okay. Um, but I didn't really make use of the map stuff. I mean, it's nice, but I, I think the, the areas at E3 didn't really need it. Because the trial course was fairly small, mm-hmm. and and the, the and boss you only battle, had one captain, so right, you only had one captain. You only had so many Pikmin, and it was like a pretty small contained area. So I mean, I didn't need the map as much. I, I would imagine on a bigger map, when I'm trying to manage different squads of Pikmin with different commanders, it could come in really handy. Sure. Okay. Well, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for Pikmin extravaganza three-week special and our Pikmin 3 segment. Um, I'm really looking forward to this game. This is the game that's selling me on a Wii U, although I'm more excited for Mario now than I was before E3. I think I just really liked what I saw of Mario at E3. But this is still the game that I'm most looking forward to picking up with my Wii U. This is really the only thing that has me really excited to buy a Wii U at launch. Yeah. I'm excited for a lot of reasons, but this is probably the biggest <laughs> one. I mean, like, yeah. like, after being at E3, I mean, you look at the press conference, it wasn't that great, but what was there was pretty good. There were a lot of really good things there, but really what stood out the most and what I'm looking forward to the most is Pikmin 3. Well, guys, thanks for joining me, and uh, happy Pikmining, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Pikmin picking? Happy picking. Yes. Now picking. go rescue Olimar. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Good night.
Hello, and welcome to this latest edition of Enfocus. I'm your host, Nicholas Bray, and this week I'm going to be taking a closer look at a 1980s icon, the Game & Watch. The Game & Watch is a series of small, self-contained handheld games that were created and produced by Nintendo from 1980 until 1991. The concept and overseer of the project was a man named Gunpei Yokoi, who of course went on to create other famous Nintendo titles and also created the Game Boy. The Game & Watch handhelds feature a small LCD screen with buttons on either side. Most commonly, they utilize two buttons. There are also another couple of buttons that let you switch between two different difficulties, and of course another that sets the time and alarm. 43.4 million units of the Game & Watch series have apparently been sold worldwide, with the series consisting of a total of 59 retail games, and one that was a contest prize version of Super Mario Bros. that Nintendo gave away to contestants of their F1 Grand Prix tournament. This version came in a yellow colour and only 10,000 were produced. The idea for the Game Watch came to Genpoi Yukoi whilst he was travelling on the Shinkansen. He noticed a bored businessman playing with an LCD calculator. This sparked Yukoi's imagination and he quickly came up with the idea for a small game machine which doubled as a clock. Over the 1980s, Nintendo released various versions, or lines, of new Game & Watches. These variations differed in various ways, some being simply a change in the colour of the faceplate, while others offered new functions or improved screen size. A lot of the most popular variations were to continue throughout the decade, being released alongside other lines concurrently. The first variation of Game & Watches are known as the Silver & Gold line. The Silver & Gold line features a smallish 4x3 screen, with either two or four button games being released in this format. The games in this line were released during 1980 until 1981, and include the games Ball, Fire, Helmet, Flagman, Judge, Lion, Vermin, and Manhole. Some of these games were later re-released in different versions. The next variation of the Game & Watch made its debut in July of 1981, and lasted until 1991. This was a series where the Game & Watch started to gain some major success and defined the mainstream standards and expectations of the series. This series is known as the widescreen line. The games included are Parachute, Fire, Manhole, Octopus, Turtle Bridge, Tropical Fish, Popeye, Fire Attack, Super Mario Bros., Chef, Snoopy Tennis, Climber, Mickey Mouse, Donkey Kong Jr., Balloon Fight, Egg, Mario's Cement Factory, and Mario the Juggler. After the widescreen series, the next line to be introduced was known as the multi-screen line. This line started in 1982 and was continued to be produced until 1989. There are actually two variations of this line, one where the screens were stacked on top of each other, like how the Nintendo DS screens were positioned, and another type where the screens were set alongside each other, more like opening a book. The games available in this series are Oil Panic, Mario Brothers, Squish, Donkey Kong, Rain Shower, Bomb Sweeper, Mickey and Donald, Lifeboat, Safe Buster, Greenhouse, Pinball, Gold Cliff, Donkey Kong Jr., Blackjack, and Zelda. After the multi-screen series, the following variations do not have as many games released for them. It is worth noting that with the release of Donkey Kong, it was the first game to utilize the new Cosp D-pad control input which went on to receive a Technology and Engineering Emmy Award. Releasing in 1983, the tabletop line of games looked like a tiny arcade machine. These games were full colour, utilising a new colour liquid crystal for the display. They also could play some primitive musical sounds. Apparently, that while the colour was great looking, the games could be hard to see if not in good lighting. 
There are four games in this series, Donkey Kong Jr., Snoopy, Mario Cement Factory, and Popeye. Following the tabletop line, we go into a line called Panorama. These games utilize the color screens from the tabletop line, but were presented in a more compact form. With the Panorama titles, you had to open the handheld up via a hinge so that the game could be reflected onto a mirror that sat inside. These games were released from 1983 until 1984 and include the games Snoopy, Popeye, Donkey Kong Jr., Mario Bombs Away, Mickey Mouse, and Donkey Kong Circus. Snoopy, Popeye, and Donkey Kong Jr. were ports from the tabletop line. The next line only featured two games. Known as the Super Color line and released in 1984, these games were presented with a vertical screen that had different colored LCD panels to represent various characters on screen. These colored panels were more like overlays of plastic and could only color parts of the screen in those specific colors. Think of it like those early arcade games which had plastic over the screen to create a hard color effect in that area. The games in this series are Crab Grab and Spitball Sparky. In 1984, Nintendo also introduced the Game & Watch Micro Versus. These games were created so that two players could play simultaneously. These games feature two small wired gamepads and a rectangular screen section for the main game. Only three games were made for this line. Boxing, which is apparently similar to Punch-Out, Donkey Kong 3, and Donkey Kong Hockey. The last variation of the Game Watch series is known as the Crystal Line and debuted in 1986. The design of these games utilized a hard translucent shell that covered the whole of the game area. Literally, you can see through the screen, as the part that displays the on-screen characters is wedged between two transparent sheets. The titles in this series were all remakes from earlier widescreen releases, these being Super Mario Bros., Climber, and Balloon Fight. After the Game & Watches ceased to be produced, Nintendo has released various collections and reimaginings of Game & Watch titles. There have been collections of the games on the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and the Nintendo DS. And that will conclude my overview of the various Game & Watch releases. I hope you enjoyed this segment. Until the next End Focus, goodbye. But uh, I'm your host, Neil Ronahan, who have I've put in about 12 hours of theater rhythm involving three nights of 3 a.m. 
And uh, I've also got Danny Bivens, who pretty much originated the Theater Rhythm Addicts Anonymous, because <laughs> he's had the Japanese copy since February, and wrote a review for us a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. So, say hi, Danny. Hi, Danny. That's what I did there. We've also got uh, the person who's reviewing the North American version of the game for us, Nate Andrews, who's put about 20 hours into it, involved a... Is this what we're what, doing? What we're we're going to go around and shame <laughs> each <Yeah>. other? <laughs> yeah, a 4 or 5 a.m. night last night? Yeah. And was that it? Yeah. Yeah, um, And then we got Scott Thompson, who has a baby and has only put five hours into it. But I did I did have my first late-night play uh, last night where I set up to, like, 2 a.m. playing, so... Good man. Yeah, so... Right there it, with you. If you're going into this without really knowing what the hell theater rhythm is, uh, the, the, the way the name is spelled is r- ridiculous, because um, it's actually the at rhythm, but I think, like, uh, Danny, you could probably back this up more, but apparently the Japanese, uh, I guess, spelling of this name, or the Japanese translation, or the original name of it, actually makes sense, yeah, whereas it, in English it kind of loses a little bit. Exactly. The Japanese version is shiatorizumu, like, fiat rhythm. It's kind of, you know, kind of like a play on words, combining words together. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's how I've been pronouncing it. That's how I, know a lot I of people always like, pronounce it. Yeah, like splitting it up into two words, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been told by people at Square Enix, I think uh, I, I call it the at rhythm, and then someone got pissed off at me. <laughs> like, no, it's theater it's rhythm. Clarity. I'm like, but that's not how it's spelled, <laughs> dick. Um, but yeah, so what this game is, it's a rhythm game with a bunch of Final Fantasy songs. And they kind of make it so it's like sort of a Final Fantasy game in that you have three different uh, ways that you play the different songs. There are, are event stages, which basically there's like a, a nice 3D cutscene in the background, and then you'll have your, your movements kind of going on the top screen, like an Elite Beat Agents, uh, where they're kind of moving all over. And you have three interactions, which is regular tapping, you know, tap and hold, and then like swipes. But it's not necessarily a swipe, it's like a put the stylus down, and then go to the right. It's not just, like, a flick. It's It, it takes a little bit of getting used to. Yeah, those those were the hardest right out of the gate. Yeah. And those only get harder. Yeah. 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 <laughs> those bastards. Um, there are two other modes. The event stages are probably comprised the least amount, because they are only in one of the... Well, I guess two of the three, three modes. Um, but the one that you'll probably spend the most time in does not have that. Uh, it focuses on the battle and the field stages... The field stages involve, you know, just one character walking through a field, and it's kind of like the traditional, just like, one line of notes going from left to right, and then you have to time it, you know, at the correct time. And then the last one, the battle one, is where you have each character of your your four-character party is displayed on the right of the screen, and they each have a line. And in that, you're hitting the notes and attacking enemies, which, when you're doing the regular battle stage, like, it's kind of cool, because you'll be like, oh shit, it's Kafka! Um, but that really doesn't do too much. You're, you're basically going to, you know, 100% the song if you can. But then there's another mode of the game that we'll talk about a little later where that gets really ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, they have it, it broken into series mode where there is, uh, five songs from each game, uh, Final Fantasy 1 through 13. And the, the, the opening and ending songs are not really that interactive. There's kind of just like a crystal on a screen and you tap it in rhythm to get Rhythmia or rith- Rithpo, mm-hmm. as it is in the Japanese version, um, which kind of gets you more unlocks and is your way to beating the story mode of the game. Um, and then uh, there's uh, one of each, the event, the battle, and the uh, the field for each game. And then that's the series mode where you basically just go through that for each game. And once you do that, then you unlock the songs in challenge mode where you can play them individually. 
Um, I guess, what do you guys have to say about series and challenge mode? Um, I only went through series uh, once, maybe twice, to get to uh, to basically get to challenge mode, and then I just stayed there for a while, and then uh, you know went up through expert and then ultimate through every song. Wow. Um, yeah, because kind of my progression through the game is I went through uh, the I guess the basic because at the outset you can only go through the basic in the series mode, which I guess for rhythm experts or even people that are mildly advanced and familiar with the genre, <laughs> it's kind of cake. But I feel that that works to the game's uh, advantage because it kind of gives you that time to understand the mechanics of the game and kind of enjoy the songs. And then, you know, that, that immediate boost up to Expert, which is the second difficulty, like that's significantly harder. And then Ultimates, for some songs, is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, have to, you have to go through Basic to unlock all the songs at first, which is a little bit of a drag, I guess. Okay, I, I went through the series mode several times, you know, in all of the different levels, and my god, I mean, like you said, it just gets really, really crazy once you're on the hardest difficulty level, like, to the point where you want to throw your 3DS across the room. Yeah, I mean, I'm at a point where I've just been going through uh, the expert challenge mode stages to unlock the the expert series mode, because mm-hmm. you have to... It's It's kind of, like, weird how each part of the game kind of depends on the other one, and that... You need to play series mode to unlock songs in challenge mode. Then to unlock the next tier in series mode, you need to play through all the songs in challenge mode. And you also have to do that and on, on the final difficulty to unlock them in series mode. Um, and then Chaos Shrine is kind of off in its own its own world. But Scott, how what, what have you been doing with the series in the challenge mode? Well, yeah, like you said, it starts off pretty easy. And if you're not a fan of every single Final Fantasy game, it's kind of a chore to get through every single yeah. series. I find, like, I went immediately and played, like, six. Oh. And then I kind, of, I kind of went around and, and picked the games I was familiar with. So I did, like, four and then seven, eight, nine. And that's pretty much it for me. Like, I, I've played a little bit of ten. I never played... Uh, you, well, I played Eleven, which was god awful. But then I, I you the know, music I never... in Eleven is fucking awesome. I don't really know anything about the game, but holy shit, the music in that game! I mean, right. there was a lot of production value in Eleven. It was, it wasn't like it was just a cheap knockoff, like trying to cash in. It was just a bad game. But there was a lot yeah, of definitely I mean, a lot that's, of production. That's the MMO for anyone who's not familiar, yeah, right? which yeah. is Seriously. allegedly the most profitable of all of the Final Fantasy games ever well, I mean, it's created. still, like, which is, it's still active. Yeah, which is incredible. But like you said, too, the music is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, and even the cutscenes, like, that play throughout it, you know, like, it, it was a very well-produced game, just not a great game <laughs> to actually play. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it was kind of, like, slow going for me, and so, especially since I'm so early on, that's what I was kind of focusing on. I'd play, like, on my lunch breaks, and when I got a little time here and there, so it, it didn't really grab me right away. But then once from there, I started going to the challenge, and then later, which we'll talk about the Chaos Shrine especially, like, that's when it really got its hooks in me, like, playing on the harder difficulties. Um, you know, it's, it's when you get to that point where the songs actually feel like you're uh, like you're playing along with them. You know, that, that very easy mode, it's kind of like in any rhythm game where it's like you're yeah. just very, playing the very basic beat. But then once you get to those harder difficulties, it's like every stroke and tap you make is like with some sort of like percussion or note in the song. And that's when like you really like, your brain kind of turns off and like you get into just the real rhythm of it. And like it's just like second nature. Trance mode. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. I would sort of equate uh, like playing through the series on basic to like, Walking through a muse- museum of, you know, Final Fantasy music history yeah. and like pushing a button every once in a while to trigger something. Yeah, you know, it's it's not the one to one orchestration. 
it kind of gives you that time to like look at the cutscenes, yeah. look at the stuff in the background. That's that's you know in in that first playthrough, that's when I noticed like, oh, it's that boss from that game that I'm and, fighting. And or, it makes sense to oh, do. Yeah, that. I remember that. I remember this part of of six. I remember this part of four. I remember this part of seven. Right. Yeah, it makes sense to do that because once you get to the higher difficulties, you know, there's no way that you're gonna yeah pay a second of attention to anything up. There. You're gonna be like, oh shit, there's Harris. <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna uh, flail at the screen. <laughs> yeah, anything anything in the background is just inconsequential at that yeah. point. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's. But I agree that that early the early stages are kind of slow going. But I, I think it's that way. And to familiarize yourself with any of the songs you might not already know, um, and just like that, yeah, just to kind of it's like the training wheels. Yeah, I do feel like a lot of care was paid in this game. I mean, even though it's it's totally blatant, ridiculous fan service, but it also kind of takes its time that if you're not super familiar with Final Fantasy, it gives you that opportunity to kind of you know get a little familiar with the series, kind of kind of get a feel for what the you know the themes of the games are, you know, both musically and by looking at those the, like the cutscene videos, which you can unlock as you play through the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I haven't actually. I think the first one I wa- I unlocked was for Final Fantasy One. Yeah. Which I started playing, and I'm just like, why the fuck am I watching this? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. worthless. Like this is like I actually I have a little bit of affinity for Final Fantasy One because I, I think that might have been the first Final Fantasy game that I actually played. Oh wow. I borrowed it from a childhood friend's house and then never returned it. <laughs> nice. I still have it. It has their last name written on the back. What a friend. <laughs> yeah. Let's put some um, tape over they, that. I mean, they they stopped playing video games. I don't think they really cared or or noticed. Um, they it went to me. It just that, that yeah. yeah. Uh, do not listen <laughs> to this podcast. I will. I will take it down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have some affinity for Final Fantasy One, so it was great hearing the music. But like that story, don't mean shit. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say you haven't really you didn't mention it, Neil, when you were talking about how to play the game. But I like the way they try to uh, work in some of the Final Fantasy tropes. So, like for instance. While you're playing, you have a health bar. So rather than like yeah. in rock band or something where it's like, you know, the fans, the audience turning on you if you do so bad, it's like every time you miss a note, um, you take damage. And then what's great about that is you can equip items and spells that, you know, can refill, refill your health. So you can equip yeah, like a high I mean, potion yeah. where when your health gets so low, you, you know, it, it refills. Or you can use spells like cure, you know, cure or, or prayer and things like that to yeah, kind of you, boost you and like get you through songs. You basically yeah, have triggers I mean, I mean, that, you, that, that you set up for like certain situations. Like if something goes bad or if you get like a really good streak, it'll set yeah. something up. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, like, it'll be, like, you know, to activate Thunder, you need to, like, hit 20 notes in a row or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they also have, in each in each of the three different stages, uh, there are, like, event event triggers or something like that. I forget the exact mm-hmm. name. Uh, but, yeah, uh, feature for, events. For the, uh, for the field things, it'll activate a chocobo mm-hmm. that if you, if you successfully, if you do well enough in this... Then you you know you'll you'll go really fast through the event stage, which doesn't really mean anything when you're playing it through series and challenge, but it means a lot in Chaos Shrine. And then in uh, the battle mode, you'll unlock summons, which um, it seems like there's like three different ones that are pretty common. And I did notice that I've been getting items that are like Bahamut's Magicite or whatever that I guess I can use to use Bahamut as a summon. Exactly. Yeah. I think there is a trophy associated with that, so yes, I will do it, game. <laughs> and then uh, for the event modes, they basically just have like extended versions of the songs that you can unlock. You see, you basically see like the end of the cinematic. Like if you fail, yeah. like if you don't get it, then it just sort of ends. But then if you get it, you see kind of like the happy resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I mean something that's kind of weird about the scoring system that I've noticed because uh, it's I mean it's the traditional like 
you know, D, C, B, A, S, and then there's a double S and even a triple S. Mm-hmm. But the highest you can go if you have items equipped is uh, an S rank, which is like I guess like it's like seven million or something. So it's like or, seven nine seven million yeah, seven, seven million 000. with a with a bunch of nines yeah. at the end of it. Exactly. But then if you unequip all items and spells, you will get a stoic bonus, which adds two million points to your total. Yeah. So uh, you can get up to you know nine 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 nine. I I don't know if I got all the nines right, but it's <laughs> it's nine million with a bunch of nines at the end of it, and you can get triple S if you nail that, or double S if you get over uh, nine million. Yeah. Um, I, which I, is kind of weird that like there's this there's this inherent limit to how well you can do unless you take out all your items, which also means that you can't get any of the event triggers, like the summons, the chocobos, or the extended versions of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of annoying, because it's like kind of like, I want to see, you know, the summons, I want to do the summons, uh, I want to go through that, but then I'm like, but I want to get a high score, too. Right. <laughs> I, I remember, you know, when, when the game first came out and stuff, like, I was doing some research, like, on just Japanese forums and stuff like that, taking a look at, like, high scores, and, you know, I, I had got, like, a perfect score on a couple of songs, and I was like, wow, I'm pretty awesome, and then I found out that, you know, <laughs> that there's these higher things, and I was like, my god, I am not gonna play through this song again and yeah. do this. I mean, I, I kinda want to, but then again, on the same hand, it's like, my god, that would just take a really long time, and... <laughs> if I A or S rank a song, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got, you know, all critical strikes, you know, S rank, that's awesome you know perfect score that's good enough for me i don't think i've gotten an all critical strike i think i've been like one or two short of an all critical strike run Mm -hmm. it's Uh, i hope to at least get one of those (laughs) yeah i think like i said i have like one or two and i've put in like 50 hours so all right well now that now that we're talking about you know uh, what we've talked about so far it would seem ridiculous that you put 50 hours in this game (laughs) but what kind of sets this game apart uh, is the Chaos Shrine, or I guess Chaos Temple, as it's called in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this, what it is is that the, there's these things called Dark Notes, and you start off with just one, and it'll be a random combination of two songs, uh, a field stage and then a battle stage. But some of like the event stages from the other games will show up as field or battle stages, and there's I think there's a total of nine different songs that you can or ten songs that you can go through for a field stage and a battle stage, so it's still kind of limited. I mean, they, they bandy around that, like, there's nearly infinite possibilities, but there's really not, because there's only, you know, I guess, I mean, I guess there's still a lot of pairings, but there are, there are ten field songs you can get for Chaos Shrine and ten battle songs you can get for Chaos Shrine. Um, and what it does is it kind of, as far as I can tell, it changes up the note structure of everything and kind of makes it more difficult, and depending on what your, I guess, your maybe your median level is when you beat the previous Dark Note, then you'll unlock a new one kind of tuned for that difficulty. And your goal in that, in the field stage, is to go as far as you can, so that way you can unlock uh, a harder boss. If you kind of don't go far in the field stage, which, uh, to go far into it, you need to have a character with good agility, you know, hit your notes, don't fall down, get the chocobo, um, and there's other bonuses you can equip as well. Um, but if you don't go far enough, then you'll face the first boss and basically get, like, bullshit rewards if you beat a boss. <laughs> and then if you do well enough, then you'll get to boss two or three. And I don't really, I can't really tell how it determines if you're going to fight boss two or boss three. And then in the battle stage, your goal is to defeat the bosses as many times as you can. And then you'll usually get, if you're fa- facing a two or a three boss, uh, different crystal shards, which then unlock more characters. Um, but the ridiculous thing about that is that you need to unlock eight of each shard to unlock characters, and I believe there's something like 
15 characters to unlock. Right. So you need to get, you know, what I don't feel like doing math. 15 times 8, that's yeah. like that that is a shit ton of crystals <laughs> that you need to get. I think there are like a total of like 64 crystals. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah, um, but but K, I will say that Chaos Shrine is like where the game hooked me last night. Yeah. Like I, I finally started messing with it because I hadn't done that yet, and then that's like where all the hours went. Because not only is it just addictive, but it's so quick, it's so easy to get in and out yeah. and move on to the next one. Because like when you're playing series, you got the intro and the outro music, which you said aren't very interactive, and you could skip them. But even after you skip them, it takes like. 15 seconds before yeah. you move on to the next song. And then, uh, you know, I really hate the uh, the event stages. I find them, like, the least interesting of the bunch, so I'm glad they're not in the... Uh, Agreed. In, in yeah, the Chaos Shrine. So, yeah, I'm... so it's great. It's like you just hop in, you're given two random songs. The, the note structure's different depending on, you know, depending on which one you're doing. So you can do the same song twice in a row, but playing through it is actually different, which is great. And then, yeah, then you're just on to the next one, and it's it's so awesome. I did, like, 14 of them last night. It was just <laughs> wow. awesome. I loved it. See, my thing is I only have, like, 15, because I've started going back and replaying earlier ones to try to unlock characters. I unlocked Locke from Final Fantasy VI, so my work here I, is done. He re- I saw you tweeted that. I he know, replaced all... the fuck out of Zidane so quick. <laughs> um, even even if he's a lower level, I'm just like, you know what? If I just bring him with my with my mega team now, which is, uh, I've got... I've got Terra, I've got Cecil from uh, Final Fantasy IV, and then Cloud. And Cloud and Cecil both have, uh, I think it's Soul Strike or something like that, is, is Cecil's like kind of boss-killing move, and then Cloud has Omni Slash. <laughs> so oh, nice. w- what happens is, like, I guess you get them around, like I want to say, like level 45 or 50. Um, and basically, just whenever a boss shows up on screen, they both use those moves, and it usually <laughs> kicks the shit out of the boss. I had Zidane set up with one of those attacks, too. But then I noticed as I was playing kind of lower level stuff to farm crystals that by the time he would get to do his move, the boss would already be dead for the other two guys. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, what's funny is your your party makeup before you switched out for Locke is the exact party that I was using. <laughs> well, it's because those are the games that I'm most familiar with. I really right. like 4 and 6. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I like 9. And even though I, I think that seven's kind of a piece of shit now, um, <laughs> you know, I have affinity for it. It's one, like I think I've only finished like three Final Fantasy games to completion, and that's one of them. So Right, that was my exact thinking, too. It's like, I don't love Seven, but I played the fuck out of it when I was a kid, and, like, you know, Cloud's just so recognizable, it's hard not yeah. to bring him along. And but, Omni Slash is kind of dope as hell. Yeah, yeah. What, do you, what, what was your party makeup, guys, you, Nate, and Danny? Yeah, I, um, I've had Cloud, Squall, Cecil, and I think Zidane, I think, for my first okay. time. Uh, Squall is part of my backup team. I uh, assembled a backup team to initially get Locke a little leveled up and went through some challenge mode stuff. Since then, I think I've leveled up 99 to all of my characters except for two right now. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, my whole party is 99. I have Terra, Cloud, uh, Cecil, and the Warrior of Light. Um, Yeah, I was thinking of including the the Warrior of Light. Hmm. I actually started using uh, Sid from Final Fantasy III because it's a Sid. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> but, um, and I mean, every character, it, like, it doesn't really mean, it, it doesn't make a shit of difference when you're going through a challenge and series, like what character you use there, it's all personal preference. But once you do get to the, 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 uh, the Chaos Shrine, then it kind of does matter, because, like, I have Terra as my party leader, and I think she has an agility up move that makes her agility, like, close to maxed out if it's not maxed out. And then, you know, Cecil's a fucking powerhouse, Cloud's a fucking powerhouse. And um, actually, as I'm as I'm kind of integrating Locke, I'm looking at him like, you know what, this motherfucker's going to be fast too. So maybe I can bring him up, and then I can have Terra more focused on being a magic user. 
Right. Um, so there is that kind of, you know, that interesting dichotomy, which is something that when I first heard about this game, I was like, that's preposterous. They can't actually make a rhythm game sort of like Final Fantasy, but, but damn, they did it. The yeah. Chaos Shrine, man, that, that's where it's at, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I have to imagine none of us have, but Danny, have you played, um, there's multiplayer in the Chaos Shrine, isn't there? How does that work? Do you guys uh, know? Actually, I haven't had a chance to play it. I have read about this, um, so I can kind of explain it. What it is is that, like, you'll do a Chaos Shrine multiplayer thing, and every person plays the same two songs, and whoever does the best, that counts for everybody. So it's kind of like non-interactive multiplayer. It's like, we're playing the same thing, but it doesn't really matter. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, like, I guess that is, like, you know, if you suck at the game and your friend's really good, then you can play some Dark Notes together. And then, you know, you can get some, some mad loot. Okay, so I mean, you'd be gaining, would you be gaining experience on the... I believe so. Oh, wow, that's That's kind of cool. And then there's a little, like, personal competition there, too. Like, if you want to beat your friend's score, it's like, rather than just compare high scores, you can go through it at the same time and, like, see who was better immediately. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like the the, the coolest multiplayer I've ever seen or heard of, but (laughs) it seems like, you know, for what it is, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Now, can we talk um, DLC? Because I think this is a big deal, especially for the 3DS. Yeah. Um. I think the way it's integrated is great because it's just basically on the fucking main screen. It's just like add-on content available, and you click on that, and it takes you to, I guess, like a a theater rhythm eShop. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. Uses like I think you can add money in there. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. You I, can. I've heard. Uh, I, I didn't have to because I only got two songs and I had like four bucks in my account. Um, and then it's just like you look at the songs and you pick what one you want. There's no kind of way to preview them, which kind of sucks. Um, you know, it's kind of like it, it's like the eShop in that you're like, this is functional, but like, come on, guys. <laughs> but, but very limited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If there was a preview uh, feature, that would be awesome. But maybe, it, well, no, they won't add it. I was going to say maybe they'd add it in the future, yeah. but they won't. That won't happen. Yeah. Um, but there are, there are eight songs available right now. Um, I know Danny has, like, fucking almost everything. Uh, I know Nate and I both got Cosmo Canyon from Final Fantasy VII, and I got, I think it's, like, Final Battle from Final Fantasy Yeah, the Fantasy Final Battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, which is funny, because those are the exact two songs that I almost bought last night. <laughs> I, uh, I reviewed Brave recently, and I sold it, and I got, like, $18 for it, so I just paid two extra bucks and bought a $20 uh, eShop <laughs> card. And so, like, it's just, like, burning a hole in my pocket. Like, I thought, like, I'd download, like, Mutant Buds and, like, some other things I never got a chance to play, but now it's just, like... This is gonna all end up being Final Fantasy songs. I just know it. There's yeah. nothing I can do. Yeah, and it yeah. seems like uh, in Japan they had a uh, DLC come out every two weeks. And how many right. would be in each batch, Danny? Uh, typically, there'd be about four. I mean, with the initial one, it was exact. Actually, it was the exact same songs that you okay. guys had already received. So we'll you know, probably get four new songs every two weeks. That's what I would think. And, I, and if if it's gonna be anything similar to what it is in Japan, it certainly seems like it might be. I think you'd probably get the same exact songs too. Yeah, I mean, I've I've no problem with that. It, yeah. it gives me what to anticipate. Exactly. I know there's a there's some more. I think there's some more Final Fantasy VI songs, some more Final Fantasy VII songs. I know no. that I'm kind of interested in. There yeah, definitely that's all are. I want. Those that's all I want. Further, is, 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 is I, just, I just want the games that I've played. That's yeah, all I yeah. want. I mean, yeah. uh, how, how many t- how many total are there, Danny? Like they're done now in Japan, aren't they? I, I think they probably have about one more set to go they, right they now. They said fifty ish. Fifty, mm-hmm. okay. And right now they're sitting at eleven sets of DLC, with the last one just coming out on June twenty seventh. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this week, uh, which 
the week we're recording, you know, uh, if if it comes out this week, maybe even being the last one. Um, I mean, oh, okay. there there's a ton of extra stuff you can buy, and I've dropped a ton of money <laughs> getting all of them. So, I mean, in Japan, you know, in the States and in Europe, it's like, you know, a euro or, you know, like 99 cents per song. In Japan, for like the initial eight, they had like that for 100 yen, and then the other ones are all 150 yen each. So, I mean... Yeah, I, I earn money in yen, so that's not a big deal. But I mean, still, like you know, 150 yen, like for one song, <laughs> you know, and there's four songs, of, you know, every couple of weeks or something. Yeah. It's kind of right. Adds that up. adds up quick. Exactly. Um, now, th- those songs, they never. All you can do is challenge mode with those, right? They never get like brought into Chaos Shrine or anything. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's something okay. that kind of sucks. Is that like, I mean, because Chaos Shrine is definitely where I'm going to spend a lot of time, but mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I'm already repeating songs a lot. So that's that's kind of a bummer. I wish it, it could integrate maybe some of the DLC or something like that. That that's right. kind of a missed opportunity. I feel. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. I thought it was kind of weird that like some of the songs that are in Chaos Shrine don't like transfer back over into Challenge. Like if I want to play Genova or something. Well, you to... you unlock that much mm-hmm. much further down the road because right. it's it's ridiculous because the way the game I guess the structure is is that you get you get Rhythmia. Which right. probably, you know, every song, maybe you're getting, like, 100 Rhythmia. Maybe. Give, 100, or, yeah. give or take. It, like, depends on, like, how well you do. There's bonuses for, like, having a character from the game in your party and stuff like that. But let's say, let's say on average, around, like, 100 Rhythmia. In order to, um, and, and you get, you get, like, some sort of bonus every 500 Rhythmia, which could be a shard. It could be, you know, unlocking a song in the music player, unlocking a video, unlocking something for your, your profi card. Mm-hmm. Um, which we'll talk about in a little more of the Street Pass stuff. Um, but then when you get to 10,000 Rhythmia, which, okay, around 100 a song, so so just, just you know, put that in your head for a little bit. Uh, then that's when you kind of activate, like, the, the conclusion to the story of the game, and then you mm-hmm. unlock Dancing Mad from Final yes. Fantasy VI, which is the shit. That was mm-hmm. a fantastic surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you unlock, I think, a new song every it's every fifty thousand rhythmia uh, until I think you 5, get to 000. like yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's it oh, yeah, goes yeah, up 5, it's ten thousand fifteen twenty and then twenty five mm-hmm. yeah um but well yeah because I know yeah at ten thousand you get another one yeah and then uh, fifteen thousand and then twenty thousand and then I think you get to a point where it is you know every twenty five thousand you get a new song but it, it's gonna take so fucking long to unlock all the all the encore and chaos songs, as yeah. the game refers to them. And it, trust me, it, it did <laughs> take a long time. I, I did it. I have them all unlocked. <laughs> but you yeah. do play some of those songs before you unlock them in Chaos Shrine. Like, I mm-hmm. just played Genova from Final Fantasy VII. Um, but, yeah. I will say one um, sort of consequence of playing this game is that it just... We talked about this before recording, but it makes you want to go back and play like every Final Fantasy game, or at least the oh, ones man. that you, you know that are beloved to you. Mm-hmm. It's the worst, and I think that speaks to like the uh, the hurdles with getting into Final Fantasy games. You know, the actual Final Fantasy games, because I'm sitting here and I'm, like, I have nine downloaded on my PS3, and I was like just about to start it, and I was thinking like, do I really want to make that kind of investment right now? <laughs> you know, do like I have like at least thirty, forty hours to just like plug into a game right now, and really I don't. Right, and yeah, I, you have to I play theater them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of a, it's kind of one of the downsides where it's like I really want to play these games, but I don't really want to play these games. You know, right. and, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the time to do it. And I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'm really bad about starting games and then just not finishing them. And actually, I mean, I have a lot of experience with Final Fantasy games, but I don't have a lot of experience beating Final Fantasy games. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I hinted at it earlier. I have only beaten 
four, six, and seven, and I only beat four like three years ago for the first time. Mm-hmm. I've beaten six, I think, twice. Um, and I've beaten seven once, and I beat, when I beat seven, that was probably 15 years ago. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I've gotten like God. halfway through nine, a quarter way through ten. Yeah. Played a little bit of eight, played some five. Yeah. I've, I, got, I, I've gotten pretty far in one, but one gets kind of brutal near the end, I feel. One's pretty ridiculous, and yeah. I, I, I've played through almost all of the games, except for, I think, 13. <laughs> Actually, I just bought 13 uh, last weekend as part of a buy-two-get-one-free sale at the GameStop. <laughs> nice. Nice. Did you get 13 too as well? No. No, that'll have to wait. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the, the other thing is that outside of having this, this severe craving for Final Fantasy games, which I was saying before the show that... Once Vita has the ability to play PS1 games, I hope that this itch is gone because I will just drop like 50 bucks on all the Final Fantasy games that I can get on PS1. Yeah. Tickets would be 7, 8, 9, and Tactics. Even though Tactics doesn't have any representation in this game, which I find a little weird. But I guess the music might not work as well as some of the other stuff does. Right. Well, with, with the DLC, it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, you do get stuff from, like, for example, there are, there's, I think, a track from Final Fantasy thirteen two. And there's, there's one from, uh, Agito or whatever the hell that's called now. Type Zero. Yeah, yeah, something. Type Zero. Yeah, there's one from there. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of, like, cool little things. Even, like, one from Final Fantasy Versus thirteen. Oh, which isn't yeah, even yeah. released yet. Yeah. Oh wow. Just, <laughs> so, but they have like a song that was that they showed with like previews and stuff like that, like back in two thousand and six. <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> that game. Yeah. That ever comes out. Um, and then there's the street pass stuff too in this game, which uh, you make a you make a profi card as as it's called in the North American version, which is just like it's a little profile. You can like yeah. pick a background, pick a character that you want to be on that, and then pick a message. My message mm-hmm. is www.ninwr.com, <laughs> as is my uh, my street pass message in general. Um, and you can exchange dark notes that way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know Danny, you've had experience with the street pass. I have not yet. Oh yeah, and actually I'm surprised it's still called Profi Cards. I was thinking maybe that'd just be something they just keep in the Japanese version because they like just shortening things like that sometimes in <laughs> Japanese. So I was like, I was kind of surprised to hear that it's basically the same thing. But um, yeah, I've actually got quite a few street passes, and I got quite a few dark notes. Some that are insane, where I'm just <laughs> I just you know get it. I'm like, oh, this looks fun. Okay, level 99, both of these songs or whatever, and I play it, and I just want to kill myself <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah it, it, it just gets pretty crazy um but i mean it, it's very interesting i mean you can get a lot of cool stuff stuff that you you know it's it would probably take you a while to get yourself that you just get through street pass which is actually pretty yeah. awesome um, and then yeah then too just getting to see where the other people are at because i mean you could take a look at their profi cards and see how many hours they put in the song that they played the most. Yeah, which sucks for me because it's like this fucking Final Fantasy 3 song that I don't even like, but I guess it just doesn't really keep track of like what you play in Chaos Shrine, and I played other songs at different difficulty levels, Uh um, and that only counts as like, you know, once for Terra's theme on Basic, once for Terra's theme on Expert. Yeah, so that, that's kind of annoying that they don't do it. But I think it another thing that is kind of good, it goes, to, especially if you're playing on like a harder level, the other people that get your street pass are like, wow, this guy's playing, you know, this <laughs> Yo, man, look at my cred. I beat yeah, a man got... with a machine gun on ultimate. <laughs> Fuck you. I got some street cred, bitch. You yeah. Know? I mean, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really like this game. It's probably, 
in all honesty, there's, you know, one other, or I guess one other rhythm game series that has kind of taken my heart, um, and that would be Rock Band slash Guitar Hero. Um, and this is probably the only other rhythm game that I've played that I've gotten into on, on, I mean, I don't think it's ever realistic to think that I will get into a rhythm game as much as I did Rock Band. Um, that, that was, that was college, uh, you know, some things happened. Um, <laughs> but with theater rhythm, it's really Upset. like, it's that same feeling of, of Rock Band where it's just like, I don't care if I play these songs a lot, I want to play them more. Because there is more, there's different ways that like twist how you play it, and there's rewards for doing it, and it's fun. Um, and I mean, I guess that proves that there are two, you know, I like a lot of different music. I like rock music, I like uh, good video game music, so it kind of works out. And mechanically, I think they're a lot alike, especially when you play um, the field stages and you've got the like the four different lanes like Rock yeah. Band does. And you know, you might start out playing a simple song with like a couple notes per lane. But then, you know, once you get confident or something, you bump it up, and you're like, I can manage all these, like, <laughs> all this crap to make coming down each one. Now, um, I guess as far as the series, there's been a lot of talk about kind of making it a series, Theater Rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other, I guess, Square Enix properties, or even just any other properties in general, would you like to see have this kind of game made out oh, of that? Oh, God. Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. See, I feel like you could do kind of like a, a Square Enix like theater rhythm square enix and have like yeah, basically yeah. everything except for final fantasy i mean i think a dragon quest would make a lot of sense for like japan yeah. but i don't think that would really be as well received in north america but if you were to do one where it's just like you know we got some dragon quest we got chrono trigger and cross we got like zeno gears and other shit like that mm-hmm. um i so think yeah, that would be really cool i was gonna say mother but i guess we're talking realistically here yeah i mean that, that would also that, be that awesome. would be amazing though yeah, that would be awesome. Even just like a whole like just Super Nintendo one where it's just all like the yeah the RPGs best stuff. from yeah and yeah. even just other games too, not just RPGs, but yeah, just all the best tracks from Super Nintendo games. Yeah, right. or even like Theater Rhythm Mario or something like that. <laughs> yeah, would be yeah, like, exactly. That's that's just waiting to make money. I mean, there's so many great memorable Mario songs. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that that would be huge. And you get these like awesome cartoony like Marios and Yoshi's and shit. You know, you get I mean, to play as and stuff. That would be huge. For fuck's sakes, they made DDR Mario. Like, come on, this makes <laughs> yeah. more sense. Yeah. You know, I, I remember whenever they actually announced that they'd like to make the Death a series, like, one thing that they said they'd want to do is do it with Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Oh, I wow. I, I got one of, one of the games on Virtual Console years ago on the US Virtual Console, and I played it for like 10 minutes and hated it. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the game has great music. I, I would assume so if that, you know, that's one of the things they were talking about, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the problem is that anything after Final Fantasy, like, unless you're going, like, Mario or Zelda, like, just doesn't have the same cash. Yeah. I mean, it'd be really tough to do, like, a theater rhythm sequel that's just, like, fucking Chrono Trigger. I mean, that would be cool, but then it's like, well, great, uh, theater rhythm Final Fantasy had, like, a hundred fucking songs, and now (laughs) you're gonna, like, throw 30 at me? Yeah, and I could see something like maybe Dragon Quest working, but then again, it just doesn't have the pull in, you know, basically, that's what because I feel like a lot of the Dragon Quest, the, a lot of the Dragon Quest games just have like the same themes, the little hmm. tweak, which I guess is the same for Final Fantasy. But mm-hmm. I mean, upon playing this game, like there's a wide variety of of, mm-hmm. of music in the series. Definitely, I do love Final Fantasy XII. Just makes me feel like I'm fucking playing Star Wars, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I remember the music in that game and just the setting of that game kind of being reminiscent of Star Wars. But like I'm playing this, I'm like, if you told me this was in like Episode Three. I wouldn't have doubted you. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's theater rhythm, guys. Um, yeah, awesome game. I'd say even if you're not a fan of Final Fantasy music, like if you like rhythm games, I think this is a great, uh, yeah, a great one. Definitely. I think you'll definitely get into it. And there's some great songs on here, like regardless of, of being Final Fantasy music. Like there's just some really great tracks to play along with. Right, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I I put 50 hours into the game. I have like 86,000 Rithpo. Um, <laughs> especially if you're a Final Fantasy fan, this is definitely something for you. And it just takes you kind of a, it's just, it's it's a real trip down memory lane, and you get yeah. to just kind of relive all of the Final Fantasy moments you might have had in the past. It's a really great time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then you get to punish yourself with them <laughs> over and over. <laughs> Alright, well, I gotta go uh, play some more Chaos Shrine levels, so uh, (laughs) talk to you guys later. Alrighty. Alright, bye. Bye. Alright, and that will do it for episode 42. Uh, As always, you can send us listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, go to the website, check the sidebar, and you can find all our usernames. And uh, if you get a chance, you can rate and review us on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Alright, we'll see you next week. Thank you.